1: Happy Monday, my friends. I'm so excited about today's interview, and I wanted to give you a bit of background on why I chose this topic. I was blown away when I recently heard that Drs. John and Julie Gottman are going to be in Utah in September to speak about essential conversations for a lifetime of love. The Gottmans are a really big deal. Dr. John Gottman's been conducting research on relationships for over four decades, And he's now perhaps most famous for being able to predict, with over 90% accuracy, whether or not a couple will get divorced after he watches them interact. Isn't that insane? 90% accuracy. And I have to say, I think I'd be really nervous to talk to Ryan in front of John Gottman. (laughs) But the Gottmans rarely travel or do events. So I wanted to find out how this opportunity to hear them speak live had come about. I found out that a marriage researcher and podcaster named Nate Bagley have put together this event through his organization, which is called Utah Date Night. I had to get Nate on the podcast to talk to us about marriage and the Gottmans. I'm planning to drive from Idaho to be there to hear the Gottmans speak, and I would love for you to join me there. You can go to 3in30podcast.com forward slash Utah Date Night if you want more information on tickets. And there'll be a place there for you to put in your email address so I know you're coming and I can let you know where I'll be after the event so we can have a quick 3 and 30 meetup. It won't be too long because you'll probably have your husband with you and I'm sure he doesn't want to stand there and wait while you talk to me. But I'd love to at least give you a hug. And then a few weeks after the event... Any three and thirty community members who attended will be invited to join me for a private group call where we can all discuss our takeaways. Can you tell I am excited about this opportunity? It's huge. So, to join me and other three and thirty community members in learning how to improve our marriages, go to three and thirty podcast.com forward slash Utah date night for tickets and information. And now let's hear from marriage expert Nate Bagley. And I do want to warn you that we talk a little bit about intimacy in the interview. So if you don't want your little ones to hear that, put on some headphones. This is episode 95, Three Simple Rituals of Connection for Your Marriage. Welcome to 3 and 30, a podcast for moms who want to create more meaning in motherhood. Each 30-minute episode will feature three doable takeaways for you to try at home with your family this week. I'm your host, Rachel Nielsen. Thank you so much for being here. A few years ago, I saw an anniversary card that made me both laugh and wince a little. In lovely scripty handwriting, it said, There's nobody else I'd rather lie in bed next to and look at our phones than you. (laughs) And it's funny because it's so accurate, and it's also sad because it's so accurate. For me and my husband, at the end of a long, tiring day when we finally get our kids to bed, it's an embarrassingly common routine for us to flop onto our bed and start surfing our phones side by side, trying to unwind. Wouldn't it be so much better if we had some nightly and weekly rituals built into our marriage that led to ever-increasing and deeper connection? If this sounds too good to be true, it's not. And today's guest, Nate Bagley, is going to be sharing three ideas for simple but super effective rituals of connection in our marriages. By way of introduction, Nate is a relationship researcher who got his start after spending several months traveling the country interviewing the most in-love couples and top relationship experts for his Love U Mentory podcast. He's since gone on to give a TEDx talk, become a Gottman-trained leader for the seven principles for making marriage work, and start a company focused on hosting awesome date nights for couples. One of these date nights is coming up on Wednesday, September 18th in Murray, Utah, and I'm driving four and a half hours from Idaho to be there for it because he's hosting two of the most highly respected marriage researchers in the world, doctors John and Julie Gottman, and I'm sure we'll be telling you a lot more about that event later in the interview. Nate says he spends most of his days thinking of ways to rid the world of mediocre love, so it's an honor to have him here today. Nate, welcome to 3 and 30 Podcast.
0: What a lovely introduction.
1: Oh Well, thank you. <laughs> we were saying before it started, I'm like, it's a little awkward to read the intro with the guest on, but I always like you to hear what no, I, I have to say it. about you I liked it. before I, we start. I'm
0: considering hiring you and bringing you to parties so you can introduce me to strangers.
1: Ooh, that's a great idea.
0: Yeah. If I get an introduction <laughs> like that, every time I hit hit, hit up to a party, uh, that would be a good a good situation for me. Well, thanks for having me on.
1: Yeah, thank you for coming on. We don't we haven't had very many men, so it's, you know, you're you're one of two that you're the third that oh, has I come feel on this so podcast.
0: And yes. hi to all the moms listening.
1: Yes. And but I knew that you had so much wisdom to share and wanted to get you on. Um and I love this idea about rituals of connection that we're going to be talking about today. So, can you tell us what does that mean and why are these so important?
0: Yeah, that one of my favorite quotes from Dr. John Gottman's research is he says, It's the it's the little things done often that make the difference. And so often in relationships, in marriage, we crave the big things. We crave the grandiose gestures of love. We we desire like a big vacation or really deep and thoughtful big gestures, but he says that things that really make love last and flourish are the small things that we do on a very regular basis. Now, a lot of people, when they think of traditions or they think of rituals, they think of like holiday stuff, like Christmas or Thanksgiving, things that you do as a family. But the rituals that I think carry the most weight are the rituals that you do on a daily, a weekly, and or even a monthly basis. The things that are like routine in your life and that's kind of what I want to talk to you about today is how to take the routine things, some some of the things that you might dread and make them more enjoyable, and then some of the opportunities that we let slip by us and, and take those moments that might seem a little bit more monotonous and humdrum and turn them into a special moment of connection.
1: Yeah. And like I pointed out in that introduction, we are forming these rituals all the time, just unknowingly. Yeah. Like we've made a ritual of just after our kids are in bed we just go and lay on our bed and look at our phones yep. but that's not that's not a ritual that's really building our relationship right. so sometimes it takes some effort to put these into practice and get them in a routine, these little things that can make a really big difference in your marriage.
0: Totally. This is, this is totally uh, a process of making the unconscious conscious, the rituals Mm -hmm. that we have unconsciously built into our relationship and turning them into something that we're consciously choosing that actually enhances our life. It's really cool. So can I, can I share my first ritual with you?
1: Yes, please do.
0: So my first ritual that I love that I think every couple should do is it's called the six second kiss. So I don't know if you've experienced this, but I've seen I've experienced it and I've seen lots of other couples experience it. It's after a little while of being married, you kind of start to get used to each other a lot and your kisses stop being the kind of kisses that you were kissing each other with when you were dating. Absolutely. It, it, you start to get to <laughs> like the quick peck as you're passing each other in the kitchen and um, running off to do your various tasks. It's the kiss on the cheek before part ways for the day. Maybe you both go to work or he goes to work or you go to work. I don't know, whatever the situation is in your family. But the the passionate kiss kind of fades away. You don't like stay up till two in the morning making out on the couch anymore. And the six second kiss is an opportunity for you once a day to Pin your partner up against the wall and just passionately kiss them with your eyes closed and with all of your intention on them and make them feel special and loved. Now, I discovered this the, the six second passionate kiss when I did an experiment with my wife. Um, I wanted to figure out what I could do to make her feel most loved and cherished and so I kind of did I did a handful of things throughout. Uh, one specific week. I washed the dishes every day without m- complaining about it. Um, I cleaned the house. I gave her what? Else? Oh, I brought her flowers, which. <laughs> ironically, she got, she came home, she's a nurse and she came home from work at two days in a row and totally didn't see the flowers. It took her three days to notice the flowers. But um, one of the things that I did is every day when she came home from work or when I came home from work, I would give her the six second kiss. And at the end of the week, I asked her if, if there was anything that she noticed during the week that she really appreciated that meant a lot to her. And she, the first, without missing a beat, she said, Oh, it's the kiss. The kiss meant a lot to me. And I just, I just noticed, mm. I felt so much more loved and cherished and appreciated. And I noticed that you were being really proactive about that. And that's something we've kept in our relationship because it fills my wife's love tank a lot.
1: And is there like some magic between like with the number six <laughs> seconds or is that just something you came up yeah, with? There's,
0: there's a little bit of research behind it, but more than anything, six seconds is, is long enough that it feels a little uncomfortable, but not so long that it's <laughs> out of reach of people. You know, 10, mm. 10, 15, 30 seconds, like it can feel like an eternity, I'll be honest. Um, but six seconds is just long enough to be like a, a solid, passionate, wet one on the on the mouth area. And it gets like it just it, it's enough <laughs> time that you. it says I care about you, I love you and I want you. And not so much that it's like a distraction or a hindrance.
1: Yeah. And one thing that you'd mentioned to me bef- when we talked before is that Kissing is can be almost more intimate than not sex. Not almost, one hundred percent. Yeah, which is like at first you are like, "What, really?" Like, can you expound yeah, on it's that? It's really interesting. A little
0: bit? When you do start doing research into infidelity, you find that a lot of people who are involved in affairs are willing to have intercourse with another partner, but they're not willing to kiss them. They save that for their for their actual partner, the person that they're married to. There are a lot of marriages that have essentially uh, they don't have great relationships they are emotionally disconnected and they can have sex while being emotionally disconnected and they can have that exchange, but they cannot, it's really hard to kiss somebody that you don't like, that you're, that you're not, Mm -hmm. um, that you're not excited about.
1: Yeah. Um, and I feel like for me, well, so I grew up in a a religious culture where we waited to have Mm -hmm. sex till we were married. And so We kissed a lot because that's what we could do. But then once you're married, then, you know, sex is what you do. So how do you separate those two things so that you don't feel like every time you kiss, it has to lead to something more? And like, how do you make the six second kiss part of your routine without it becoming awkward or like overly forced in your relationship.
0: It's going to feel awkward and overly forced at the beginning. That's just how things go whenever there's a change in the dynamic of your relationship. When you start doing something new, it feels weird. But what I would do is pick a time and what I would specifically pick one of the four transition times throughout your day. And uh, this this kind of piggybacks on the idea of habit stacking, which is a really fascinating idea, which is you pick something that you already do on a regular basis and then you add a positive habit on top of that habit. So um, the four transition periods during your day are when you wake up, when you leave for the day, when you come home and then when you get ready for bed and go to sleep. And pick one of those moments, like maybe it's right after you brush your teeth as you're winding down for the day, or maybe it's right when you or your partner comes home from work and you're reunited after a day away from each other. And the first thing you do when you put your toothbrush back in the mug behind your uh, your bathroom sink or the first thing you do when your husband walks in the door or when you walk in the door is you find your partner and you plant a big wet one on them. And you just do it every single day and it becomes part of your routine. And then it gets to the point where you do it so much that, that you start to, real, to to notice when you don't do it. It feels uncomfortable. Um, mm-hmm. But that's I would say you, you have to make a conscious choice to make it a part of your routine. Pick a time in the day to do it. Preferably ad- attach it to another habit that you already do and be willing to push through the awkward phase of doing something new. And if you're doing it every day, the Mm. expectation of sex isn't going to follow every single time you do it. It's just going to become a natural, beautiful part of connecting as a couple.
1: Yeah, that's such a great point. I love how you did it without telling your spouse for the first little while, which makes it kind of fun and less awkward than deciding together, like, we're going to do this every day, which you can still do, but whoever's listening to this interview doesn't even need to tell their spouse. They could just start initiating this six-second kiss every day, and chances are your spouse will, will notice. And yes, it I will love conducting marriage
0: experiments, and this is one that you could absolutely conduct without your partner even knowing, and just see how they react.
1: Yes, I love that. And then, what is your second um, ritual of connection that we can start working into our marriages?
0: Yeah. So the six second kiss is a daily ritual. And then uh, the second ritual that I have is a weekly ritual. And this is what I would call your uh, marriage weekly state of affairs meeting or your weekly marriage meeting where you, I mean, a lot of people have like a a, a few minutes where they talk about logistics. And I think that's an important thing to do to figure out when Mm. Billy's going to get picked up from dance practice and who's going to take care of, you know, lunch, paying for school lunch and, and all that stuff, planning your date night. Those are all important things to take care of, but it's also important to have a moment or a few minutes every week to, I believe, go over what went well the previous week, what you'd like to do better the following week, and to see check in with your partner to see how you are doing as a partner to them. So every every week I ask my wife the same four questions and it's what did I do well last week? What could I do better next week? On a scale from one to 10, how was I as a husband? And then what what could I do next week to bump me up to be one level higher? So if I was a 7 last week, I want to know. I was a 7. And I want to know what I did that made me a 7 and not a 10. And because because if if i if I'm a, i 'm a my goal is to be a level ten husband, you know what I mean, and you have to humble yourself a little bit to receive this feedback, um, but sometimes my wife will or often my wife will expose me to my weaknesses and the things that i 'm doing that are that are keeping our marriage from being as good as it could be, and when she honestly shares with me the things that i that she thinks I could do better to make her happier. I get an opportunity to level up. And I only focus on getting, I don't focus on going from a seven to a 10. I focus on going from a seven to an eight Hmm. and just take little baby steps every week and try and make incremental gains and be a little bit better um, week by week. And those four questions have opened up some amazing opportunities. Um, A lot of times what happens is we end up having forgiveness conversations one of the analogies that we use in, in our relationship is um, that we have to do the dishes regularly. And I'm not talking the literal dishes, I'm talking the metaphorical dishes, but to use this analogy, to expand on this analogy, if you've ever um, kind of had like a really busy week and you just don't do the dishes for a week and and you leave them all in the sink, like mm-hmm. it's, it's easy right after dinner to just rinse off your plate and put it in the dishwasher. Like that's the easy way to do the dishes. If you let them pile up, pile up for a week, you have to pull out the sandblaster and the pressure washer and the rubber gloves and the bleach. <laughs> and it takes like three hours and it's exhausting and it's daunting and it's not fun. And we've realized that by having these weekly state of affairs meetings, these weekly marriage meetings, we get an opportunity to clean up the little messes before they get encrusted and before they become like a massive problem that needs a lot of time and effort to clean up. So, you know, sometimes it's it's something as simple mm. as like, hey, uh, you know, earlier this week, you said this thing and you used this tone and, and it kind of hurt my feelings. And I have an opportunity to say, oh, honey, I honestly, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to hurt your feelings. Can I share with you where I was coming from? And we both reach out to each other with a a bit of empathy. But if you let this stuff build up over time, um, oftentimes you don't even forget what's at the bottom of the stack of dishes. And you just know you're angry and you know you're resentful and you're frustrated. And there's things that have happened that you're frustrated about, but you can't even remember all the little things. So this is one of those opportunities to check mm-hmm. in with your partner and make sure that you guys have a clean slate, that your kitchen sink, your metaphorical kitchen sink is is clean and your dishes are taken care of.
1: Yeah. Okay. This is really fascinating to me because we've never done anything like this. So um, I can I can see how it could be really helpful, but I'm also like, how does this work? So do you mind if I just pick your brain a little bit about... Yeah,
0: dig. Let's, let's yeah. do this.
1: <laughs> so... So, okay. First of all, tell us again, the four questions that you ask her.
0: Yes. So the questions are, what did I, we try and focus on the positive. So what did I do well last week? What Mm -hmm. went well in our marriage last week? What could I do better next week? So it's not a, what what did I do wrong? It's what could I do better? How could I improve Mm. on a scale from one to 10? How was I as a partner to you? And then what's one thing that I could do next week to One way of saying it is what's one way, one thing I could do to make you feel more loved next week? Or Mm -hmm. what's one thing that I could do to bump me from the number you gave me to one number higher?
1: How do you have these conversations without becoming, first of all, defensive Mm -hmm. of the other person's answers and also without becoming hypercritical of the other person throughout the week where you're like, well, that's going in my inventory (laughs) for the meeting. And that like, because sometimes I feel like when... He's my husband's not asking me for ways to improve, then I just, I kind of let things go. I don't focus on them. I just move on. But if he was asking me, then I could come up with a list, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, so how do you take the, take the input without being defensive as well as not become overly critical of your spouse?
0: So a key to taking the input so you don't become defensive is to actually want the input. Hmm. If you okay. resist the input, if if you don't really want to hear the honest truth from your partner, then when they give it to you, it's going to hurt. But if you come into this meeting, into this conversation with a mindset of, I know I'm not perfect. I know I haven't done everything in my power to be a perfect partner this week, but I want to be moving in that direction. I want to be improving constantly. And the best...
1: And I value my marriage enough that I'm willing to do this work. Yeah. And I
0: value my partner's opinion enough to to care about how they feel. This is one of the best gifts you can give your partner is be be excited or willing to receive the, fee- the honest feedback.
1: Mm-hmm. And what if you're just not in a place yet in your marriage or your relationship where you can hear this stuff. Like great question. Maybe you, you do want the feedback, but your marriage is just in, you're hurting so much right now that you just can't quite take it yet. What would you say then?
0: That is a beautiful, beautiful question. And and what I would say to that is start having this meeting, but leave out the feedback Mm. and only focus on celebrations. What did we do well this week? What did you what good things did you see in your partner this week? How did your partner make your life better? Express gratitude, look for ways to praise each other and make this this weekly meeting an opportunity to just share your victories with each other and celebrate those for a few minutes. Hey, what did we what did we do well this week? Hey, I want to tell you a moment where I saw you being like a really great dad or a really great, a really great mom. Or hey, I noticed when you did this little thing for me, um, it, it really meant a lot. You know, when you helped me with the dishes or when you brought me those flowers, or the fact that you go to work every day means a lot to me because you know it, it helps to provide for the family. And just find any any reason that you can find to praise your partner. And if you make that a weekly habit you'll start to build up a sense of resilience and the follow-up questions will start to come naturally when you're prepared for it. Mm. But there's no shame in spending the first six months of these marriage meetings just getting in the habit and just celebrating your victories.
1: Yeah. And maybe that is a bit to do with the the second part of that question I asked you about how to not let it make you overly critical of your spouse. Um, What would you add to that about that question?
0: Yeah, I would try... This is so... Um, scorekeeping is never good in any relationship Mm -hmm. and I'm a firm believer that, uh, did you ever play the slug bug game as a kid yeah. punch buggy? Oh yeah. Yeah. So (laughs) I never see Volkswagen (laughs) bugs ever, ever. But Mm -hmm. when I played the slug bug game and my brother (laughs) would lean over and go slug bug, what color and start hitting me in the arm. It was crazy. Like I was blown away by how often I saw slug bugs Mm -hmm. and, uh, the same applies in your marriage. What you look for is what you will find. And if you use this marriage meeting or this state of affairs meeting as an opportunity to um, to look for the good in your partner and to ask for what you need, as opposed to just show them showing them all the ways in which they're deficient or falling short of the ideal, uh, you're going to be in a good spot. Hmm. It's going to be something your partner will look forward to. If every week they're coming to you and they're getting... Really great feedback of, hey, I noticed you took out the garbage cans, and I know you always take out the garbage cans, but it just made me really appreciate that you are reliable in our relationship. Or, um, you know, you told me you'd be home to pick me up at five thirty for for our date, and you showed up. And the fact that you're so reliable and that I can count on you, I know it's easy to like dismiss that and only focus on the times where you're not. But I just want to let you know that when you showed up this week, it meant a lot to me when you said you would show up and you honored your word. Like when you're looking for those things, your partner is more likely to respond in kind in a really positive way. So Mm.
1: that's so great. And how do you suggest scheduling this? I mean, I'm sure it's really different depending on the couple, but is there a, Typical way that you see couples do this, like every Sunday night or as part of date night or what do you recommend?
0: It's got to be a ritual. And I would I would suggest just making this separate from your date night um, and and make it a 15 to 20 minute conversation that happens at a time when you're both free on a regular basis and make it an unbreakable appointment. So my my wife and I do it Sunday morning and it's just the first thing that we do. Mm. So
1: so it doesn't matter when. Nope. I like your suggestion with the first habit of maybe even linking it to something to make it a habit. Absolutely. Um, put it in your calendar if you need to. Um, shut and- your
0: shut your bedroom door and lock it and tell the kids it's 30 minutes of quiet time mm-hmm. and just, just take care of it.
1: Yeah. This is such a cool suggestion, a one that I definitely want to start doing. Um, and then what is your third takeaway?
0: The third one is quick and easy, and it's just... So John Gottman's research shows that the strongest and most fulfilling marriages always um, have a foundation, are built on a foundation of friendship. And what happens in our marriages is oftentimes, I mean, we're always changing. We're always evolving as human beings, and we forget to continue to get to know our partner. And so there's... a. Asking a series of open-ended questions on a regular basis, especially on your date night, is a great opportunity to connect. Um, and there's an app on, on uh, the App Store that you can download if you just sh- search for Gottman questions. That you can get a whole huge deck of questions that you can ask your partner. But there's a couple that um, have really meant a lot to me and, and my wife. And one is the question, what's something I could do today to make you feel loved? Another is, what, what is it as we're winding down our day, oftentimes we'll ask each other, what did you love most about me today? Which is a really great opportunity to set your partner up to succeed in praising you. Um, another question you can ask at the beginning of the day, every day, is what's something that I should ask you about later today? Something important that you have going on that you want me to follow up with you about?
1: I love that's like my favorite question. Yeah. I I mean, I haven't asked it, but when I I read that on your outline, I'm like, that's so good because so often there's things going on in the, at the other person's work that we don't even know about. We don't know what's happening. So how can we ask them about it later?
0: Do you have a big meeting? Do you have a big project that's due is, you know, are you having lunch with somebody? I want to know. And, and all of these questions have an underlying message of, I care about what's going on in your life. I care about how I'm showing up for you as a partner. And I want and I want to be involved, and as yeah. you ask those questions, you'll be surprised what kind of answers and what kind of connection happens as a result,
1: yeah, and I want to get to know you, which is so crazy because in on the one hand, you're like you know them better than anyone. Yeah. But I love what you said at the beginning of this takeaway that. People change. So just because you knew them extremely well when you married them doesn't mean that they're the same as they were 10 years ago or five years ago. We change all the time. And yet, how often are we kind of updating how well we know our spouse today as they are?
0: Exactly. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Well, these are really powerful. Um, I always like to recap them so listeners can remember. So, can you just tell us your three rituals of
0: connection one more time? Yep. The first one is the six second kiss. And be sure to habit stack that. It makes it easy to remember. The second one is the weekly state of affairs meeting for your marriage, where you ask each other those four questions. How did? What did we do well last week? What can I do better next week? On a scale from one to 10, how well was I as a partner? And then how could I be better um, like bump up one number next week. And then the third one is connecting questions. So what questions can you ask on a daily basis that help you connect with your partner, including what's one, th- uh, one thing I can do to m- to make you feel loved today? What is something that I should follow up with you on that's important that's going on in your day today? And um, what is something that you love about me today? What's something new that you love about me today?
1: And those connecting questions could be something that you build in and you have it stack with like going to bed at night kind of like your pillow talk time where you're falling asleep or right after your kids go to bed when you go flop onto your bed instead of pulling out your phones just ask those questions and kind of rehash the day Mm -hmm. but it's very much a matter of being intentional Um, we are all so tired (laughs) (laughs) and and busy and so you have to be very conscious about these things. So thank you, Nate, so much for sharing these. And I want to hear more about your upcoming event and more about John Gottman, because I think people listening probably know something about him. He's been mentioned over and over throughout my podcast by different guests. But tell us who he is, what he's known for, and then tell us about your event that you're putting on.
0: Yeah. So John Gottman is a mathematician turned researcher uh, that was based out of Seattle, Washington, back in like the late 70s and early 80s. And his research completely transformed the world of relationships. He was the first guy to go out and instead of working off of hunches, he worked off of research and data and science and found out the real, the real science behind what makes relationships, including marriages, work. And he wrote a New York Times bestseller called The Seven, Time, Seven Principles for Making Marriage Work. And he and his wife just wrote a book called Eight Dates, Crucial Conversations for a Lifetime of Love. And they are coming to Salt Lake City in uh on September 18th. So if you're in the Salt Lake area, we'd love to have you there. And we're doing a date night. We're going to host them and we've rented out Cottonwood High School. We've got 3000 seats available. Well, now we're down we're down to like 800 seats that are left. Um it's amazing. Yeah, and and we're gonna have some awesome entertainment. We've got the uh, a professional improv troupe, the showoffs that are uh, they have their own TV show on BYU TV. They're gonna come and perform, and we're gonna do a little workshop so you get to put into practice some of the Gottmans. Um, lessons from that from their new book while you're at the event. And then you get to hear from them and maybe even ask them a question. And it's very rare that they even travel outside of Washington these days. And when they do, it's typically for clinicians and and therapists. Uh, So it's rare to have them in a position where they're presenting to the general public. So if you get a chance to come, this is going to be a once in a lifetime chance to see them live. And I'm really, really excited about it.
1: Well, it's so incredible that you've put together this event, and I know it's going to bless so many marriages. As part of that admission, you also get a copy of their new book about the eight conversations. Um, And so I just wanted to make sure everybody knew about that. And like I said, I will be there, and I'm actually putting together a little something for listeners of the show who also attend so that we can review what we learned together as a 3 and 30 community. And I'll tell you a little bit more about that in the outro of, of this interview. But I just wanna say, Nate, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for the work you're doing every day for families and thanks for coming on to you 3 You are and so welcome,
0: it's been a pleasure. Thanks, Rachel.
1: I want to thank Nate so much for coming on, so much wisdom in that episode. And I want to encourage all of you, just choose one thing. And I'd say that's true of all 3 and 30 episodes. It's easy to consume good information to listen and think, oh, that's a really good idea. But unless you decide to act and you choose one thing to act on, a lot of time the good information doesn't ever really change you. (laughs) So choose one thing from that episode and start trying it. And even if your spouse is not on board with doing like marriage meetings where you talk deep about your marriage, I was thinking you could even have your own weekly review, even if your spouse wouldn't participate in it. Where you just sit down, you kind of go over your week and think specifically about your marriage. What went well, what didn't, and how you can show your spouse more love in the next week. I think that that could transform your marriage. Just a reminder to go to 3 30 podcastcom forward slash Utah Date Night to find more about that event with the Gottmans. And the opportunity to meet up with me after and have a quick hug and then have a longer phone call where we discuss all of our takeaways in a small group with the 330 community. That's 330podcast.com forward slash Utah date night. As always, I am rooting for you and I hope you have a great week with your family. Hey, i